start jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. You should be able to hear the magnetic resonance This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the event horizon where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow. And I am your other host, Susan Fox. And with us is Grant Lankard. Uh, hey, everybody. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the show. Uh, you run a small press called Monarch Comics. And your latest Kickstarter is for, if I'm reading this right, issue four of the Beowulf cycle? Correct. This is not your professor's Beowulf. Right, right, right. I, I, I've heard a lot of people say, uh, you, you know, when I try to pitch them the comic book, they always say, oh, God, I read that in high school. It was it was so boring. This is a lot more interesting, believe me. Yeah, and well, it's, it's yeah, as Susan said, it's not your grandpa's Beowulf. Right. The dragon slayer from myth, he incarnated as a 30-something slacker. Uh, his sidekicks are a magic cat and a 13-year-old girl. I think you've right. you've hit all your audiences here. Right, exactly. No, There's I, something for everyone, right? Oh yeah, and it's established by this time that uh, your bear wolf, your version of Beowulf, has uh, gulped down some dragon blood, or an ancestor right. did. Right, exactly. Yeah, so I kind of i i I'm not super faithful to uh, the book. Beowulf, uh, I take some elements from a another Dragon Slayer story, which is called Siegfried, which was written around mm. the same time. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it's a little... It, I, I borrow some elements from Beowulf and some elements from a, another one called Siegfried. And um, my philosophy on that sort of thing is I, I I have no shame in kind of playing loose, fast and loose with the um, the original story, just because I mean all of this was oral tradition before it was written down. So well, as far as, and it was yeah. oral tradition three thousand years ago, right? So uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Beowulf has been the foundation of of uh, epic fantasy for literally thousands of years. <laughs> so yeah. there's nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong with like taking it and just throwing a few curveballs in there just for fun okay. to see what happens. Yeah. I, it's, I think it's a neat um, thing to play around with because um, they're really, I mean, everybody knows what Beowulf is. It, it's very, very rare that I'm at 
a convention and, and somebody is just like, no, I have no idea what Beowulf is. But it's not quite as overdone as like Robin Hood or um, like King Arthur or Aladdin, you know, uh, the, the, the really kind of overdone fairy tales or, or myths. Well, and, and I think part of that is that Beowulf as a character is not as relatable as some of the more modern ones, such as Robin Hood, King Arthur. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. You know, it's completely, the original Beowulf came from such a completely different culture. And I, it's funny how, how you know, a, a major, con, you know, the Norman, how much of a difference the Norman conquest made, because, you know, your Saxon epic is an entirely different tone from from the Saxon versus Norman politics of you know two three hundred years later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, but uh, you know, I mean, we've all heard of of the the legend of uh, Saint George and the dragon. Well, right. in this one, Saint George is the dragon, <laughs> right, exactly. but he's but he's up against a bigger dragon. I guess what is what is he up against? He's up against a dragon, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, a lot of people have asked me. That's another question that I get a lot. You know, why isn't he fighting Grendel? And I'm, I mean, I'm going to tell that story eventually. I mean, a lot of people don't even know that. You know, Beowulf also did have like other adventures be, besides just fighting Grendel and his mother. Right, and his mother. Yeah. So well, yeah. Let and, them give uh, the women. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, but I mean, I'm sure. I mean this so this is a six issue storyline but I'm I'm going to do other stories including um probably him fighting you know Grendel or in Grendel's mother etc. Mm-hmm. I like the uh, I like this simple I'm the simple characterizations it's not actually simple characterizations but it is a a clean simple art style. It's easy to it's it's uh uh, I don't want to say relatable. They're not. Yeah, it's, it's relatable. I don't want to say minimalistic because it's not. It's there's nuance and character in every line, but there are no wasted lines either. Yeah. So my my friend uh, Antonio Brandau and I we did the art. Um, he we we worked together a lot. I came up with a lot of the layouts. Um, he takes. He takes my layouts and improves upon them, um, and he's he's a lot better with you know anatomy and you know and um, facial expressions that sort of thing. Then I ink his drawings and color them, and I also do the lettering. Um, now I don't I use pseudonyms for all the different jobs that I do on the book, and. Um, I'm not quite sure why I decided to use pseudonyms. Um, it was something I was kind of worried that if that if it looked like I did too much, like that would look you know amateurish or something. Oh, the but, uh, the Bambi meets Godzilla syndrome, <laughs> where all the credits are the same name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or or the uh, you know uh, suggestive poses for the moose by you know in uh, Monty Python. Monty Python. Ha, ha, ha. No, yeah, I think that's fine. Yeah, so I yeah, I don't really know why I chose to use uh pseudonyms, but um, Well, it makes it look like a bigger company. I mean, I, I think I get that's it. it. Yeah. It, in my head it looks um 
it, it having different people working on it makes it look less <laughs> shoestring budget. Yeah, you kind of blew it, didn't you? <laughs> Should we edit that out? No. Well, yeah. I, well, <laughs> well, this is this is like the fourth or fifth interview that I've done that I I mentioned this, so I think it'll be all right. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's, it's well, it shows your 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 many talents. You you do it yeah. all. Yeah, I think. I hope so. Anyways, and it is uncommon uh, for yeah. somebody to be able to do that, so people don't expect it. So, right. I mean, I can understand why why you did that. Uh, it's uh, you don't want to seem like you're boasting. Right. Uh, oh, look at me! I did all of these things, but you did all of these things, and look how good it came out. I mean, this is a fun read. One of the things I look for in a comic is: um, Am I going to have to chew through this frame by frame, or am I just going to have a fun time going through it. And this is definitely the latter. We will enjoy the ride. I mean, I'm looking for this, at this one frame where um, where Beowulf's familiar, the talking cat, is uh, uh, trying to convince him to uh, follow him on, on to help him out on, right. a, on a quest. And there's an Elvira poster on the wall in the background. Right. Uh, yeah, everybody, cool everybody mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, just... um, yeah. That's what something that I I, I did uh, with this comic book. Um, you know, instead of just having generic kind of art in the background, I tried to put in stuff that uh, I I felt like said something about the character. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what that says about the character that he he likes Elvira, but well, it, it makes it makes right? him human and relatable, uh, and it ties. Uh, it ties the Beowulf's graphical world to our own. It's a reference, so it it's it really kind of brings it into the here and now. Even right. though even though you're uh, uh, you don't have outrageously ornate backgrounds and and uh, yeah, but it's a, but it makes it a very real world. It's yeah, not some fantasy. It makes it, it makes it real. It makes it real. It's, it's not it, just characters floating around in an empty site. You know. Psych back background. Well, and the other thing it does is, uh, you know, you can have you can have ornate backgrounds and have it com- be completely non-relatable. And uh, this this strikes a nice balance when you're doing a comic book like this. With, uh, I mean, you're by definition you're working with a limited crew, right? You know, I mean, most small small publishers uh, don't have more than four or five people working on a book at most. Uh, right. And when you have limited resources, you have to choose your marks very carefully. Everything you do has to count. So when I see something like this, I go, ah, yes, there we go. Here's somebody who knows what they're doing. Here's somebody yeah. who knows how to use the resources that they do have. And, yeah, so. and it makes you. it comfortable. It makes it, ah, yes, this is familiar. I know this. This is a touchstone right. for me. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, for me, it's, you know, you have limited space, so you want to say as much about the characters as you can, you know, know, as little space as possible, so to speak. So you are kind of by definition uh, a polymath, somebody who does all sorts of things at a high enough skill level to... (laughs) To function as an expert in any of them. I thought that was a parrot who did arithmetic. Oh yeah, that too. Oh. 
I'm glad. I'm glad you explained what that that <laughs> means. I didn't have to look dumb by being like, "Huh, what?" Yeah, well, but you you were an all around picture guy, though. I mean, <laughs> see now I know I know what that means. Words. Yeah. So tell us about Victor. That. Tell us about Victor, our so, dragon man. So Victor is kind of a a man child. Um, you know, he likes video games. He likes. He likes beer. He likes hanging out on, you know, weeknights. Uh, he's not at all prepared for going up against this dragon. And um, and that's what Mooney and Hazor are there for. Mooney and Hazor are there to get Victor in shape at least as much as they can to go up against this dragon. And... Um, I think if you've taken a look at my um, Kickstarter, you know that Mooney is based on my real-life cat. Uh-huh. I suspected that might be the case. Yeah. Those eyes. I don't know. If, are you guys cat people, or, or are you more dog people? We, I don't are, know. we love animals. Okay, cool. So we, we, we're, we have had both. Cool. We've got a, a dog-sized cat. Uh, rather, a cat-sized dog. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, I know cats bigger than Little Nemo. Little Nemo, that's uh, that's a cute name. <laughs> he is. But my, you know, then there was my buddy uh, uh, Ranma, who, who who was my nap and sushi buddy. So there we are. Anyway, Aww. your cat was your cat named Mooney or something else? Yeah, my cat is named Mooney. He might visit us at some point during the interview. Oh, all right, good. good. So far, he's been hanging out in the living room, but <laughs> but um, he's. He's been a guest star on, on a few interviews that I've done, so I wouldn't be surprised if he stopped by. So how long have you been working on this project? The first one was uh, uh, three years ago, was it? First episode? No, no. First I mean, it wasn't, wasn't that much. They, it was sort of um, fulfilled in 2021, so it can't be that Oh, long. no, that's not... Yeah, okay. <laughs> My bad, so this 2021. Was, yeah, this was, this was kind of a... Um, a quarantine comic book. Um, I think like a lot of people over quarantine, I used, um, I used the extra time that I had to kind of, you know, reevaluate my life and, you know, think, Hey, you know, I always wanted to do a comic book. Why aren't I working harder on that? And, um, uh, I, I was trying to do to work on other people's, ideas for comic books and i remember thinking wow a lot of people have really bad ideas for comic books <laughs> so, you know 90 percent uh-huh. of everything right right yeah. so my, my thought was kind of you know if these people are so self-confident that they can you know pitch these comic books to other people why don't why aren't i more confident about pitching some of my ideas and um I kind of figured, you know, with all this extra free time that I have, you know, due to quarantine, if I don't do it now, I'm probably never going to do it. So I, um, that's how Beowulf was born. That's, that's. Um, And unlike a lot of us who said, oh, had all these thoughts about doing all this artsy stuff during quarantine, you finished something. (laughs) I am so impressed with I talked to so many people, so many people email me over or message me over Instagram or Facebook or, you know, how do I, how do I do a, uh, how do I get a comic book published? 
And the first thing I tell them is, of course, like you don't get a comic book published. I mean, at least not your first one. You know, you're going to have to do a lot of the grunt work. And um, to be honest with you, if if I had known how much work it was, I I maybe wouldn't have done it. I I, I think I I went into it a little bit um, naive, thinking that it was going to be really easy for a comic book creator that nobody's heard of to get published by a major comic book publisher. So, um, but yeah, so I, I started self publishing and, um, like I said, it's been a lot of work, but I mean, now that I've done it, I'm, I'm glad that I did. So Monarch comics is your own imprint, right? He is the king of his domain. I like that. That's, how so many projects get started you know like people go well i wanted to work for lucasfilm but uh that's not going to happen so let's let's see if i can just get this thing going on my own and they do and it and it comes out okay and it's uh like it's like you were saying you're not going to get your first book published or your second or your third but you can do it yourself and show somebody here. This is what I can do. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Kickstarter has made it so much easier. Um, I mean, you know, you hear stories about like you know, um, guys like you know Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird went in debt publishing the first issue of Ninja Turtles, or um, you know Robert Kirkman. You know, he went in debt publishing The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. and. Um, well, they yeah, both that... really caught lightning in a bottle, though. I mean, nothing was bigger than Ninja Turtles when it came out. Isn't it crazy? Like, I, I mean, I think about that all the time. I mean, because it, it really wasn't the best comic book out there. I mean, the art wasn't the best. The writing wasn't the best. It there was... was just something about that combination of mm-hmm. words. Just everybody, because ninjas were big and mutants were big. And, you know, and, and I think also part of it was that, you know... Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is kind of a throwback to the early years of comic books where, you know, it was all funny animals, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And, Got two uh, shelves yeah, and I, full of Donald Duck here. Yeah, I think I can agree with that. And I think it was, a lot of it was just timing because it was, they they came out at just the right time where it was everybody everybody knew what a ninja was but they were ready for a less serious version of, of mm-hmm. ninjas. And, and as, you know, and as I, as I understand, as I uh, remember, remember the story, oh boy, rented teeth. As I remember was, the story. It was late at night. They'd been eating a lot of beer and, you know, pizza and beer. And they did this doodle on the back of a napkin. Yeah. Right. They and passed the doodle back and forth. It was like something like, I mean, they, one of them, drew like the arm and then the other guy drew like the leg you know and it was and and the thing that's that's so funny was like they had they had the other they had another idea i think it was called fugitoid that was like their serious it was supposed to be like their epic comic book and um it and i mean obviously nobody's wearing a fugitoid backpack now. No, so no, it sounds really like not. somebody trying to hide a hemorrhoid. I'm sorry. Right. Ew. It's a terrible name. It, that it's that may have been name. the pro- part of the problem. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, the point I was trying to make is I, I, um, I, I feel like there's something to be said for, you know, maybe getting out of your own head a little bit. Um, you know, the fact that it was kind of more like a joke idea for a comic book, um, if that makes sense, where it, like they weren't taking themselves quite as seriously. Well, and, you know, it's worked before. I mean, you know, Deadpool couldn't be bigger either. Right. I mean, he's got serious superpowers, but, you know, it's the humor that, that people love about it. You know, and Rob Liefeld, uh, who is, by any description, not anybody's favorite comic book artist. Right. And he's... There's nothing wrong with his, his drawing, but somebody needs to, like, give him a copy of Grey's Anatomy or something. Right. Well, <laughs> I mean, and, and also, I mean, I, I think at the time... I mean, you know, I mean, Rob Liefeld gets credit for creating Deadpool, but I think um, actually it was another it was another writer named Joe Kelly who who really he he did like the the fourth wall breaking stuff, you know, the sense of humor. Because if if you read those early appearances by Deadpool, it, it's a fairly generic character. Yeah. So yeah, but but, um, but it's the humor that lifts it sometimes, and you know the fourth wall breaking. I mean, this goes back to the you know early days of movies and television, and if you really want to think about it, to Shakespeare's plays. <laughs> where the... And I think it's that sense of humor that lifts up uh, your Beowulf series as well. I mean, it's yeah, everything. Yeah. Everything is. Well, it would be this way, except for the fact that we have practical concerns to think about, and now here we are. Right. With this this far far less than optimal hero, right, uh, being thrust into this situation, and there you go, kid. <laughs> We've reached the top of the mountain. Fly! Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> that's what I enjoy. I enjoy the comedy. I would never, I would never do a comic book that was that took itself a hundred percent. I I guess I can't say I would never do one, but um, I I mean that's what I enjoy about doing the comic book. I enjoy the the comedy that that's involved in it. Yeah, I think it's I think a humorless comic book is an unreadable one. Well, it's Yeah, good, I mean it's yeah. got comic right in the the word, right? Comic book, right? <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. But, you know, every good, you know, comic, you know, superhero team has has a has some fun people in it. I mean, uh, The Justice League has The Flash, uh, right, with his sense of humor and um the Fantastic Four has been grim. You know, the only the only one of these these New York based comic book ca characters that actually you know is portrayed as having an accent. The Avengers has Tony Stark. Well, if, mm, the wisecrack. He, he's always wisecracking. No, he, yeah, but the comics for he wasn't he wasn't no. a smartass until the, that's true he, until the movies. Really. Yeah, that's that's that true. He was yeah. he was he had a hard life and and you know. Well, yeah, and I, I think it's funny that in the in the the movies they portray Thor as being really funny, which I think is just because the actor is good at it. But um, um, my, I mean, my it's been years since I read Thor, but my remembrance of it was that he was a very, very stoic character. He was, yeah. yeah in the comics, he's a bit of a shirt, you know. But um, you know, when you get J J J Michael Straczynski writing the first movie and and. Uh, uh, um, God, I've blanked on Robert his name. Downey Jr. No, playing. no. Um, the first Thor movie. Who, who directed? Um, it was Kenneth. 
Branagh. Kenneth Branagh, yeah. I figure, oh, okay, he he plays Shakespeare. He could do the V and thou stuff, right? Right. <laughs> but uh, there were some definite light, fun touches, you know. Yeah. You're yeah, I mean, and that's, that's what I like about those movies, too. Yeah. <laughs> this drink, I like it. Smash! Another, yeah. I'm, I'm, if I did that at a coffee shop, I'd get thrown out. Right. But I am not as pretty as, as uh, you know... Mr. Hemsworth, so there we are. Well, I, yeah, I don't think any of us are. <laughs> I wouldn't feel bad. So, you in your Kickstarter, you've got... Um, I'm looking at the... I'm, I want to make sure I'm looking at the right one here. Apparently, I, oh no, I was looking at uh, Beowulf issue one. Uh, but you have, like, window clings and all sorts of fun stuff. What have you got yeah. for... What have you got for... Um, uh, Mostly I see stickers as well yeah, as so, the, uh, the paper and digital editions. Uh -huh. and so we're going to do a Beowulf air freshener. <laughs> um, yeah, I was the only, this is the first time. I've never seen another Kickstarter do an air freshener. So we, that alone made me want to do it. You know what I mean? What an awesome idea. Well, it's better than a, you know, just another pine tree for the car. I'm going to drive right. it in my car. <laughs> so, so everybody asked me if it's going to smell like the cat and <laughs> ew <laughs> there, there's not much you there's not How not do you a make lot of room fire? you can go you can make it chili pepper flavor or maybe cinnamon cinnamon right well i mean okay i mean there's a company that makes custom uh air fresheners but i mean it's not like you can just do like any smell you know i mean you have to i'm sure the they have a selection have. Yeah. yeah right yeah exactly lemon That's clever. fresh lemon fresh dragon so what other what other stretch goals do you have in mind? So uh, we also so these are all add-ons. Um, so the stretch goals are going to be more variant covers or more pinups in the back of the comic book. Mm -hmm. well, these are, this um, is more work for you, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, Which well, and and I should say that the the comic book issue four is done, except I mean unless we get more of these stretch goals. But that um, that impresses me because I've I remember being hung out to dry and waiting for for artists to finish their work before ever seeing a Kickstarter fulfilled. And you know you what, got my, it right. In the, yours is already in the can. God, my anxiety is at the point where I like I would I would not I, I would never do a Kickstarter where the comic book isn't done just because my like my anxiety is high enough like I wouldn't be able to sleep knowing that I had like. A Kickstarter out there that was unfinished. So, um, yeah. So every every comic book that I've done, and I'm not saying that I won't mess around with it a little bit. I mean, there's there's what about two weeks after the Kickstarter is done before you get the money, and then there's about another week before you get um, the before you get the um, what do they call it the proof, mm -hmm. um, and then it, it should take me about a week or two. Then it takes about a week or two to get printed, and then maybe a week to two weeks to uh, send everything out. So that's a pretty big I, delay already, even if you have all your stuff ready to go. I know exactly. I, yeah, and I don't know why. Has anybody ever said why it takes two weeks to get your money? Well, because you, people, people, you're, you know, you've got 133 backers, and and you know, 10 percent of those are going to have. You know, checks that bounce or, or credit cards yeah. that are that don't don't check out, and they have to go after these people. So it takes a few right. 
weeks or days. It's yeah, like, maybe that is. It, hey, I buddy, you pledged $150. Where's our money, yeah. honey? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that but, kind um, of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's some people who complain that, oh, oh these issues don't come out often enough. But, I mean, um, really, I mean, this is about once every three or four months is really as, as fast as as is humanly possible um with the size of I mean, your, you, your staff yes i think that's very credible <laughs> frankly yeah and i mean and i mean well i mean even look at like marvel and dc i mean how many how many comic book titles nowadays can actually say that they consistently keep the same writer and artist from issue to issue so i mean you know if if marvel and dc can't even really do it with their much 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 bigger budget you know how are we supposed to do it no, that's fair. Yeah, that is fair. So, have you been doing the convention circuit or making plans to do that? Or so I've done. Yeah, I've done a lot around Pittsburgh. Um, uh, yeah, if, if we didn't mention that before, I'm I'm from Pittsburgh. Um, I've gone in as far as like East Ohio, a little bit into like West Virginia. Um, we're going to go to our furthest one this in late October. We're going to Baltimore Con. That that which, is a Fanish town. I think you'll do very well there. Yeah, everything that I've heard, uh, Baltimore is one of the best conventions in the country. So I'm excited to see what that's like. It's a big cosplay community there. Now you know you'll you you will know that you've made it when somebody cosplays at Victor. Right, exactly. Hey, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, yeah if somebody well, if somebody cosplays Mooney, I'll be excited. <laughs> <laughs> you have to get somebody really Depending short. On how accurate. Right? <laughs> well, you know they they're doing Doctor Tana. All you have to do is like change the fur, and the eyes, always right. the eyes. Does your Does your cat have two different color eyes? Yep. Like like the comic book. That's neat. Yeah. That's a That's a rare condition. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things at conventions to show. That, like, that's the first question everybody asks me, and then I have to pull out my phone and and you know, you know how much cat owners hate showing photos of their cat, right? Oh, you're, yeah, you're so so reticent, uh-huh. so shy. Right. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, twist my arm. Yeah. So, um, how have you been handling all of the? Uh recording arrangements you've been doing a lot of podcasts you've got another one coming up uh like in an hour so we should probably (laughs) yeah i'm well i'm doing yeah i'm doing a a big one tonight i'm doing i mean not that your your podcast isn't yes this is important no no problem i'm doing um yeah i'm doing billy tucci's tonight so that should be interesting oh that's cool yeah yeah it's it is so difficult doing the promo for a kickstarter uh well, I think he'll make it by the end of the day at this point. I mean, we're we're within $150 of, of, of goal. And then, then the stretch goal. Yeah, I don't know when you're going to release this, but uh, as of recording, we're a little bit less than $150 away from the goal. So, And I helped. Yes, yeah. thank you so much, guys. <laughs> yeah, as of this recording, it's uh, 140 Yeah, you're $147 yeah. away from hitting your... your your initial goal yeah which yeah and again i you know i thank everybody who's who has helped either financially or um 
even emotionally or you know just sharing a link well we will share the link on the sci-fi.radio website when uh, when this comes out next week and um we'll see what we can do yeah and uh i and of course i'll help you promote the um your podcast as much as possible okay september 21st is the the target date be there or don't. <laughs> I don't know. We have been talking to Grant Lankard, who is the author and creator of Beowulf, an adventure that spans the centuries. The Dragon Slayer from Myth Reincarnated as a 30-something slacker. His sidekicks are a magician cat and a 13-year-old girl. Or a 13-year-old cat and a magician girl. We're not sure which. <laughs> I'm sure I saw a picture of her with a magic wand, but I think it had like a little mouse on the end, so... Yeah, that, that I know the the picture you're you're talking about. That's actually a cat toy. Ah, okay, <laughs> a magic cat toy with herbs. It's right. got herbs. Anyway, catnips and herbs. Grant Lankard, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Event Horizon here on Sci-Fi Radio. Yeah, thanks guys for having me on. Have a great night. Start jump. You have been listening to episode 248 of Sci-Fi.Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for Saturday, September 24th, 2022. Our guest this evening has been writer and comic book producer Grant Lankard, and we have been discussing his comic book retelling of the legendary epic Beowulf and his now successful Kickstarter for issue number four. This episode will air again tomorrow, September 25th at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, and again on the following Thursday and Saturday mornings at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. Once all of the airtimes have passed, you will be able to download this episode as a podcast from iTunes, Stitcher, Pandora, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and from our own website at sci-fi.radio. Sci-Fi.Radio is listener-supported Sci-Fi Geek Culture Radio, and the vast majority of our funding comes from listeners just like you. If you enjoy programming like what you just heard, please visit patreon.com slash sci-fi radio and give generously. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was science fiction illustrator Mark Schirmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. The Captain was voiced by science fiction grandmaster Larry Niven. Sci-Fi.Radio's The Event Horizon is copyright 2022 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon on Sci-Fi.Radio. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.